0: Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Acts. And we'll be reading chapter 9, beginning with verse 1 and going to verse 18. Meanwhile Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, "'Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me?' He asked, "'Who are you, Lord?' The reply came, "'I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting.'" Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named uh, named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight." But Ananias answered, "'Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name.' But the Lord said to him, "'Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name.' Today we continue our stewardship series, Waking Up to Gratitude. Do you all have your gratitude journals this morning? No, you didn't bring your gratitude journals? I'm just so sad. Who doesn't have a gratitude journal? Do we need gratitude journals? There are some, my ushers left me. I think, oh, look, Kim just jumped up. Good job, Kim. If you need, <laughs> I didn't warn them. It it's my fault. Um, if you need a gratitude journal, if you raise your hand, then um, Kim will come around and he can give you one or you can, um, you can stop and get one of those um, as you leave here this morning. Um, we gave these out last Sunday as we began our series and we have challenged everyone to write down three things that you are grateful for each day. It doesn't matter what you write, or when you write, it doesn't matter if you write a list, you journal, or you color pretty, pretty pictures. It, um, the hope is that during these next few weeks, as we go through this gratitude series, that we can, we can begin to cultivate this lens of gratitude, becoming more open to God's abundance that is right in front of us. The stewardship series is more about more than money, It's about remembering how our relationship with God impacts the way that we understand our lives and why we give our time and our energy and our finances to growing God's kingdom through this church. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord. Enable us to be receptive to your message this morning, and challenge us to live more fully for you than we ever have before. Through your, through the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I have a gratitude app on my phone, and I got it a few years ago, and because. Um, I was challenged to do so by my spiritual director. And it prompts me each morning and each night to type in three things that I'm grateful for. And it also asks me other questions, like how could the day have gone better, or um, a a word of affirmation. And as I look back on all of those entries over the years, I notice that I started with the basics. Started with family and friends and day-to-day items that I really started to see and, and to be grateful for, like coffee and, and blankets and clean sheets and band-aids that make boo-boos feel better. Then with more, the more frequently that I wrote, I would note an event that happened during the day, like Russ and I going on a date or playing outside with the kids. Typically, it's easier to to see the things in our lives that are in front of us because they are physically in front of us. But a lens of gratitude can help us to slow down and to recognize moments in our lives so that we're not simply going through the motions of life. As we look back on those moments that we are grateful for, we can recognize what's important to us, and, and how we got where we are today. Often, we overlook one big thing in our lives. We overlook the gift of our own story. Each one of us here today has an original story filled with life experiences and events that made us who we are. Some were great experiences filled with joy joy an adventure, and others we know were difficult and hurtful. But each one is important because the culmination of them has created us. More specifically, though, we each have a Jesus story. Some are developed over a span of years and years and years, and others are just beginning with their Jesus story. But if you're here my bet is that somehow God has been working in your heart. A Jesus story is simply a story of how you have been changed or are continuing to be changed by Jesus, by his grace and his divine love. Every Christian's Jesus story is original, and it's amazing. But few people in history have a story that has been so transformational as Saul that I just read this morning. Saul was this educated, extremely devout Jewish man who, because of his devotion to the Jewish faith, took it upon himself to try and to stop this new movement of of Jesus' followers, this movement started by Jesus. When one of Jesus' followers, Stephen, was stoned to death for teaching about Jesus, Saul was the one who said, yes, to the crowd, approved them killing him. Like a bounty hunter, Saul roamed the land, breathing out these murderous threats against people who followed Christ. But then we see in today's scripture how Saul experienced this 180-degree turn in his life. And it was during one of his missions to track down the Jesus followers. As he was walking along the road, this great flash of light came from the sky, and it knocked him to the ground, and it blinded him. And a voice cried out, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And through the help of a man named Ananias, something like scales fell from Paul's eyes, and he could see again. Ananias said that Jesus had orchestrated the whole thing. He told Paul that so that Paul, Saul, would receive the Holy Spirit because sometimes it takes those big moments to knock us over the head and get our attention. And Jesus gave Saul a new name. He became Paul and he gave Paul a new mission to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. And so Paul carried out that new mission with the same zeal and excitement that he had his previous mission. In fact, Paul was so effective in teaching about Jesus that he became the target of unbelievers who wanted to kill him. And that supreme irony was not lost on Paul Over the course of his mission, he was beaten numerous times, he was thrown into prison, and eventually he was killed for his extreme commitment to spreading the good news of Jesus. But no matter what Paul faced, he was always faithful in responding to God's call to take the message of salvation to the ends of the earth. His mission was Christ's mission, to reconcile individuals to God, and he did that through creating and then building the church and community after community after community. The church, a community of believers who who help those in need through mercy and love. Why did Paul do this? Why did he put himself at risk of being tortured and and beaten and killed? He did it because of his life-transforming experience with God. He was grateful for what God had done for him through Jesus, and that drastically changed the trajectory of his life. And I want you to take a moment and, and think about your Jesus story. If you have your gratitude journal here this morning, you can pull that out and jot a few things down, or you can write it on your bulletin or whatever. I don't see anybody getting anything out. Good job, Linda. Nobody else wants to do it. They just want to stare at me today. If you think about your Jesus story, some people think they don't have one. Everybody has one. Some might think that, oh, mine's boring. It's just that I love Jesus. But there is something in there, and we each have a Jesus story because God has given it to us because someone else needs to hear it, because it can impact someone else. So I want you to think about key events or or words in your journey so far. How has Jesus, how has knowing Jesus transformed your life? Some of my words would be basement church kitchen Sunday school, or chrysalis, or unwarranted grace, acceptance, and hope. Think about those things. Think about your list and and be grateful for those things. Grateful that you have encountered Christ in your life. That you have been open to being moved by the Holy Spirit. That you have allowed God to transform your life. When answering the question, what's your why, It begins with your Jesus story. The ways in which Jesus has impacted or transformed your life are why you get up on a Sunday morning and you come here rather than staying in bed or going to brunch. It's why you take time out of your life to serve others through this church. And it's why you give financially to this church community. Because what has impacted us in the past points us to what we are passionate about in the present and then what our dreams are for the future. I grew up in the church. I went to vacation Bible school. I participated in Christmas plays, and I would go off and on with my family throughout the year. My family as a whole wasn't really that active, but I was because I always felt At home in church. I liked being there because I felt like I belonged somewhere. But my aha moment that changed my relationship with Christ happened when I was 15 years old. Our youth group had just watched the movie Left Behind with Kirk Cameron. Do you remember that movie? And I was determined that I was going to be left behind. I was not good enough for God to really love me, and somehow I had to figure out how to earn God's love, because so that I could be granted access into heaven. My mom didn't know what to do with me when I came home from the lock-in, and she was um, she was minorly freaking out, and so she called my my pastor. And my pastor, my pastor talked to me, and, and she said, it was actually, it was, it was Peg, it was my mother-in-law now, um, who's the one that I talked to on the phone that day. Um, she, she talked to me, and she said, I think you need to go on something called Chrysalis. It's happening next weekend, and you can still go. And so I went, because if my pastor tells me to do something, I'm going to do something, because I was very obedient as a child. And while I was on Chrysalis, I experienced the most confusing and transforming, unconditional love that I had ever felt. Confusing, because it didn't make sense in my little world, where I felt like I had to earn people's love life-transforming because during a service of communion, I broke down in ugly tears, and it was the cries were echoing in the space we were in when I realized that God's love was for me personally. I didn't have to do anything to earn it. It was just there for me to take free. It was mine. And my life's passion is to make the church a place where people feel like they belong, where they experience the unconditional love of Jesus through people who authentically care about them and love them for who and whose they are. The world is filled with places where you are expected to conform or change in order to be accepted or in order to be be loved or in order to be thought good enough. But I dream of a church that is a sanctuary from that world. And it brings healing and wholeness to individuals so that we can all go out and we can serve others and we can transform the entire world. That is my dream. And you can clearly see a connection between my Jesus story and my why. My life was altered by the unconditional love of God and the wholehearted acceptance of a church community. And I want others to experience that. Looking back, can you see a seed of your life's passion in your Jesus story? If you can't see that yet, I encourage you to take some time in the next week and to think about those things that, that you wrote down or those key words that you came up with and pray over them and see what God illuminates in you. God has given each of us a passion, each of us a why, something that is the reason that we get up in every single morning. What passion animates your life? What do you think God is calling you to do? Studies have been done with people who are at the end of their life. It's not death most people are afraid of. It's getting to the end of life only to realize that you've never truly lived. Spoken word poet Prince Ea says this in a, a video that he has on YouTube. Studies have been shown to, studies have been done with people at their end of life and, and they're asked to reflect upon their biggest, regret in life. And nearly all of them say that their biggest regret isn't something that they did, but it's the things that they didn't do, the risks that they didn't take, the dreams that they never pursued because they allowed fear and doubt and insecurity to take over. I think one of the saddest things would be to get to the end of our lives and to have those last thoughts of If only I... God has given each one of us a gift, each one of us a passion, a why we get up. For me, it's to make sure that as many people know God and know God's love as possible, to know that they're not alone. Russ's passion is to cross boundaries and build bridges between people and groups using our common connection of food and the table. What were you put on this earth to do? What dream has you and, and won't let you go? What passion, what why has God instilled in you? Don't let fear and doubt rob everyone else, from the gift that God has given you. Don't let regret have the final word. Don't let the end of your, get to the end of your life and realize that you haven't actually lived for Christ. God has given you a why. I know God has. And fear and doubt are real. But you're not alone in this thing called life. We are the body of Christ together. We are connected and we are fueled by the greatest force that this world has ever seen. We are connected with the mighty, mighty Spirit of God. So, my last question to you this morning is Are you ready to be a group of world changers? Are you, church? Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for our stories, we thank you for your love, and we thank you for the passion and the excitement that you have instilled in each and every one of us. Lord, I pray that you help us to to see and understand what that passion is, how we can serve you and love you, how we can show others that you are real, you are true, and that you are transformative. Amen.